Bryce Eddy here with Liberty Station, where we are fighting to be a threat to the Great Reset. Uh, today, my blood is boiling over this one, but actually there's also cause for some celebration because we are winning some of these battles. But today I have my friend from the Gavel Project, Ryan Heath. And Ryan has been on the show before with Dr. Robert Yoho. And we talked a little bit about what he's doing with the Gavel Project, but they are a not-for-profit that is um, really helping to fight uh, for civil liberties, specifically with COVID-19 and some of the other crazy, um, absolutely vile things that are going on in our country that are really coming against us and our liberty. So with that, Ryan, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's, it's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do this. And when you called me on this one, man, I, I, uh, I, I keep saying things like, I can't believe it. But the reality is the stuff that they're doing um, after almost two and a half years of unprecedented, tyrannical push against our values, against our principles, mm -hmm. against the things that this country was built upon, we should not be surprised anymore. Um, but why don't you describe what uh, recently occurred in one of our school districts here, and then let's let's really get into it. Yeah, so I uh, I got a call a couple of days ago from uh, some concerned parents uh, at ABC Unified School District. There was a nearby school district called uh, Norwalk La Mirada Unified School District. It's in uh, South LA. And they actually had a proposal. I have it right here in front of me. It's a, it's a clinic services agreement to open up a Planned Parenthood on campus at uh, John Glenn High School. Yeah, um, and I read I read it when you sent it to me. In fact, I, I think I was uh, we were just finishing up uh, church at the time that you sent it to me, and I was you know reading it between services and and just thinking to myself, wait, wait, what? Um, at, at first, it almost didn't compute, but. Um, yeah, so again, for you folks who are missing it, uh, they were pushing to open a Planned Parenthood clinic on a high school campus. Yeah, and, and it's actually kind of sad. This is not the only uh, Planned Parenthood proposal that's been actually passed in the state of California. There are a number of schools across this state that actually have Planned Parenthoods on their campus in California, including San Diego, throughout L.A., uh, we were lucky enough to actually hear about this one and uh, be a part of the movement that pushed back. Uh, I jumped on a plane after learning about it a couple days later and flew out. Uh, my wife took the took the kids and she's home. I've been here ever since. Uh, but yeah, I showed up at the school board meeting and actually appeared on Fox and Friends the next day. Yeah, uh, didn't get much sleep this week, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to to actually be here and be able to educate folks on what's really happening because it's not necessarily about abortion. I, right. I want to be very clear about what the, this is about. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, along those lines, first, um, I, I I wonder how many of our listeners or people around the country know that those Planned Parenthood um, clinics already exist on on other high school campuses. Yeah, I don't believe this is a, a well-known fact. I was surprised to learn that. I actually yeah. learned that from another parent down in San Diego that reached out to me and mentioned that this is actually something they've been dealing with for quite a while. And it's sad. It breaks my heart. Yeah, no, it's wild. I mean, they're, they're, um, you know, Planned Parenthood is a sales organization, and people don't, um, I think, understand that. And what they're selling is abortions and the murder of babies. And we know that they, um, under the guise of, um, you know, family planning services and other euphemisms, they are pushing abortions. So um, they come to these 
high school campuses with that family planning, safe sex. Uh, we're going to educate them. We're going to help them. We're going to be a safe space for them to come and you know mm-hmm. get get what they need in order to practice safe sex and all that stuff. When the reality is, they just funnel these kids down into this pipeline of being future customers. Yeah, and, and it's not just uh, abortion, as I mentioned. I know abortion is the hot topic of today, and everyone wants right. to talk about this because it is so, so relevant with the Supreme Court re- ruling in Dobbs. But this this agreement um, is very specific to what's actually being provided. It's a contract entered into uh, by a school district and Planned Parenthood, and it explains that Planned Parenthood is going to provide very specific services to students on campus, and, and it actually notes that they will uh, be diagnosing and treating reproductive health uh, illnesses on campus. They'll be prescribing and dispensing pharmaceuticals to students. Uh, they will be actually coordinating with school counselors, which is why I believe that this is a guise uh, to provide the pharmaceutical industrial complex an opportunity to really build a conveyor belt into the schools of drugs and a conveyor belt out of the schools of permanent customers for life because we know P- Planned Parenthood, according to the, the Central and Western uh, Planned Parenthood's website, uh, is the second largest provider of hormones of, of to children or j- the population generally uh, in the entire nation for gender affirmation care. And so this is about basically creating um, broken adults who are permanently damaged both mentally and physically from the hormones they would be given on campus uh, for the pharmaceutical interests to have permanent customers. Yeah, that's wild. And, and again, that's another one of those things that I don't think people understand or realize because, of course, our fight has been so focused on abortion, which, mm-hmm. you know, we need to stay focused on that. But um, the, you know, sort of next uh, battlefield that we're in and one that we've been talking a lot uh, about on this show for the last several weeks because we got into it here locally with mm-hmm. our a little local paper um, that our senior citizens fold and in support that's uh, that's sort of the uh, antithesis of some of our other community papers that are owned by the uh, unions and the the teachers unions and things like that um, uh, but but you've got these uh, um, this epidemic and this social contagion of you know transgender kids that are you know being pushed into gender confusion and things like that by teachers by administrators by counselors by their parents, which is wild to me. You've got parents that are actually like transing their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so now you have um, Planned Parenthood being the provider of those drugs that are chemically castrating and sterilizing these kids. Yeah, and there have been multiple instances uh, where these kids that have gone on the, these hormone blockers, for instance, now have ars- uh, osteopor- yeah, osteoporosis, osteoporosis yeah. after just a number of years on these drugs at 18 years old. And, uh, you know, it's not just damaging the, their bodies, it's damaging their psyche as well. Yeah. And uh, this really is about providing free services for for walk-in students even they don't charge students they will not turn students away uh, for failure to be able to pay for these services and they actually explain uh, right here in the contract that provider and district acknowledge that under california law minors have the right to consent to reproductive health services without parental consent or notification so they don't even plan to tell parents what they're doing to these kids 
Yeah, and that's been the the game all along with um, you know that this whole movement, you know, both abortion um, or any of these services, including the hormones, um, it has been. Listen, you know, we want to keep parents out of any of these mm-hmm. discussions, you know, um, and they do it all under the guise of you know, well, you know, some of these kids come from bad homes, and how are their families react, and we need to be a a safe space for them. And again, it's that same thread of we own your kids. Mm-hmm. You do not, you know, so they're diminishing the role of parents and they're doing that intentionally again, you know, under these just, you know, fake ideas. Yeah. And, and it's, it's frankly infuriating to, for, for, as a father of two little girls, you mentioned earlier, this is a social contagion. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Yoho explained last time I was on the, the social uh, contagion uh, basically process whereby you have all of these, uh, these very localized uh, can basically outbreaks of gender dysphoria, particularly among young girls. Yeah. And that's why I, I was so up in arms when I saw this. Uh, this is one of the issues that our nonprofit actually focuses on. Uh, and we want to fight this issue. I believe there's a very strong lawsuit to be had, not necessarily in this district, but somewhere in the state, there are the right circumstances to get these, these Planned Parenthoods off campus. And uh, we, we intend to pursue that. Yeah, well, because they have no business, um, you know, being there. I mean, it's a vile organization. Um, it's uh, it's real um, services at their core are evil services. You know, again, they they pretend that they're there doing some really important work, you know, and that's the majority of what they do. And then, hey, abortion and some of these more radical things are just a little tiny part of it. And we know that that's not true. Otherwise, they would not be shutting down in the states that are eliminating abortion. Um, if it's just such a tiny little part of their business model, um, they, they'd be able to continue to flourish and survive based on all of the other wonderful services they're, uh, um, you know, they're delivering. Yeah, and, and you can see as well, uh, based on what you just mentioned, uh, something comes to my mind. I mean, it also demonstrates that this is a social contagion because in the areas, in the red areas where this is being shut down, uh, if they're shutting down, it's because their, their, their main revenue source being abortion is being cut off. Uh, where you don't have the, these uh, gender affirmation therapy type uh, policies in school districts in red states, you don't have the social contagion. You don't have um, the, the hormones being given out to these students uh, in, in the same, uh, let's, let's call it, uh, amount. And so you basically are, are demonstrating right there that this is their, their bread and butter, at least in specific areas. And it also reinforces that this is a social contagion. Yeah, and, uh, um, you know, the, the language that they're using, of course, and, and you know, again, I believe these are, I, I want to be careful. Um, I I, I f- I want to call them vile people, but I believe that they are um, under a delusion. I, I believe that they are um, many of them caught up in in you know great evil that's influencing our, our society. Um, I believe that there's a lot of confusion, you know, because we abandoned and let go of a lot of our Judeo-Christian values and underpinnings. So, you know, I do want to pray for them and I have to, you know, work on myself on a regular basis because it just makes me so mad um, to, to see what's happening here. But, uh, you know, their their terminology, you know, is, oh, we affirm, you know, and of course I've gotten criticism, you know, we're the great, you know, enemies of the transgender mob because we're speaking out against this abuse. But they say, you know, we affirm our kids and you're, you know, you don't and we affirm our trans children and everything. And and what, what they don't um, 
understand or they're failing to see because they're they're blowing away their own argument there. Um, gender confusion is is a disastrous issue, um, mm-hmm. and it's something that we need to reach out to kids that are feeling confused and all that stuff. But just the same that you do not affirm an anorexic and say, "Oh yeah, you're fat," um, you know, even though they they weigh eighty nine pounds. You don't do the same thing with these kids who are confused and going through really difficult times and, you know, being bombarded with, you know, their their hormones and their bodies changing and the confusion that comes with, you know, emerging, at, um, you know, puberty and adolescence and all of that. Um, uh, so they, these they're they're preying upon these kids and they're doing it to make money in this case. Yeah, and, and it's it's quite disheartening. I mean, I actually I mentioned last time uh, I was here that I went through something as a young man, uh, a bit of a troubled past. Uh, I had some some issues with, with painkillers when I was younger after a couple of successive surgeries, and I actually ended up in a program uh, where a lot of these kids today, the, these types of kids, would have been ten years ago. Mm-hmm. 20 years, 15, 12 years ago is when, when I did this. And, um, you know, back then you would not affirm, as you mentioned, the, the uh, problem behavior, the anorexia. And what we know today is that 70%, approximately 70% of the individuals who identify with transgender, like basically with gender dysphoria in, right. at below 18, end up going back to their original gender. So if we put these campuses, if we put these, these service um, clinics on campus and high school campuses, we're, we're putting them, one, in the place where kids are most susceptible to peer pressure, yep. where they don't have excuses. They can't say, look, I don't have a ride to get to the place where I can have an abortion. I don't have, um, my parents are watching. Yeah, you removed all the barriers. Exactly. Is. Yeah. And you're, you're telling them, basically, that, that they can force others to believe in Santa Claus. That's the effect of what's actually happening here. You are, you are encouraging children to, to demand that others play pretend. And that's actually unconstitutional, especially when it's being pushed by the state. Um, that gender affirmation policies need to be challenged. Yeah, I, I could not agree more um, because what is happening, and you're absolutely right, you know, these, these folks, um, you know, come back around later on and we're, and because they've been pushing it so heavy over the last few years, you know, we're going to have a rash of uh, really deeply disturbed and hurting kids that regret what they did. Um, and now there is permanent damage to them because you can't, you know, you can't put puberty on pause. You can't, you, uh, you can't, um, stop the, the natural body's processes and not have massive catastrophic consequences. Um, and you mentioned osteoporosis, um, but sterilization, Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's a big thing. And we know that we're having some of this data and issues are coming out on the vaccines and, uh, you know, some of the other things that are putting pressure on kids fertility and, you know, putting pressure on our future, which, you know, there's a lot of good evidence that that's what some of these folks want. Let's fleece all of these people of their money. Let's, you know, grab a whole bunch of money out of the state. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, let's, uh, make ourselves wealthy, and in the process, hey, we're doing a great thing. We're reducing the Earth's population for the future, you know. And there's a lot of folks that that's what they believe. Yeah, and and I also believe that there there are darker forces at work here. We're yeah. talking about um, going after our youth and sterilizing, in many respects, a large percentage of the population of our young people. Yeah. How how is America going to defend itself in ten years? 
uh, yeah, I mean, even a two, three, four percent decline in population um, has massive consequences for our future and the the health and wealth of our nation. Yeah, and you know the the consequences from the vaccine, the consequences from gender affirmation care. You you mentioned it good points towards sterilization, but it's more than that. If we're talking about vaccinating young people, uh, which is one of the other issues that we're passionate about at the Gavel Project, you're talking about heart conditions. You're talking about heart conditions in young men. Uh, When you need to be vigorously, if you're trying to build an army, let's say, just to defend your nation, you need young men that are able to go out and fight vigorously for long extended periods of time if their hearts are being damaged by these these jabs that are being in many cases mandated by schools i believe culver city uh actually the unified school district still has a mandate in place uh come august these kids are are supposed to be jabbed and um that is in i mean california has something like 6.6 million kids that's got to be a huge percentage of uh, of the nation's uh, children for that age group. And, and therefore, you're talking about a huge percentage of kids that may not qualify uh, for military service. If something happens in the future, uh, if, if there is, let's say, an attack on this nation by, by one of the, the enemies of this nation, like let's say China, uh, how are we going to respond if we don't have a sufficient fighting force? We're gonna lose. Yeah, no, and um, if, uh, if- You've missed our podcast with John Lovell um, a little, uh, I guess, a few days ago or a week ago or whenever we posted that one. Um, I asked him some of those questions. You know, he's a 2nd Battalion Ranger, and I talk a little bit about because we're seeing that. You know, they're not already meeting their recruiting goals. Um, there's many of our military, um, a- active duty military that are being bounced out because they're refusing the vaccine. Um, and you have just a general, um, you know, diminishing of our forces and who they're able to recruit and bring in. So, yeah, you fast forward a little while and you've sterilized these kids or weakened their immune systems through the jab or you've weakened their hearts and, you know, caused all these, even if it's a, you know, a moderate percentage of people that mm-hmm. have those reactions, and we're starting to see that it's quite a bit more. But even if it's just a moderate, you know, yeah, that that's going to come out in the wash to be incredibly painful for us. Yeah, and uh, it's one of those things that as a father, I mean, I don't even live in California. I mentioned earlier, I'm from Arizona. I'm an attorney licensed there. I'm not licensed in California. But I have two girls back home that are very little. And those two girls are going to have to live in a society in 20 years, in 10 years, with, with the kids that are being raised here under this oppressive regime. Uh, the, the kids that have been literally broken and battered by the COVID-19 lockdowns in this state. Uh, now they're being told that they can be whatever sex they desire at whatever age. I mean, I was I talked to, to a couple of parents at um, Norwalk La Mirada when I was actually at the, the school board meeting. There were hundreds of parents that showed up. They had a second grader that was being taught that he could be a girl. Yeah. That's that's something that second graders don't understand. They're pushing fantasies on children and telling them that they can force others to believe in those fantasies and play along. That's communism. Steve Hilton's talked about this a few times recently. Um, we have another lawsuit that we're actually funding. Uh, we, we put up a retainer. We've hired the Lexrex Institute, Alexander Haberbush, to go actually after Capistrano Unified School District. Uh, there, there was a young girl in that district, seven years old, that uh, basically back in, in March of, of 21 um, had a, a, a painting that she did on her own volition. She basically just drew a picture, and it said, Black Lives Matter. This is a seven-year-old girl. She, she misspelled matter, M-A-T-E-R. Um, and underneath that, she said, any life. 
Oh, she's well, in trouble. Canceled. Yeah, apparently um, that was sufficiently outrageous for the principal after finding out that, that she had given this to another young girl in her class um, and having some some complaints. And we had no problem with any of the other families involved. Our, our dispute is specifically with the principal. Um, the, the, the mom in this case was actually shocked to learn a year later after the event that her daughter was forced to apologize in front of her friends on the playground <laughs> for making a painting. Absurd. That said any life matters. Yeah, that's that's communism. That, that's a, that's a communist struggle session where, where you're forcing people to admit that they are bad communists. At seven years old. She doesn't even understand what, what Black Lives Matter is. She, she drew underneath that, by the way, that if you, you look at the there's an article by Kira Davis, very well written at Red State. Um, you can see the picture right there. There are four blobs on, uh, you know, figures, essentially, that, that are on that picture. And they're all different colors. This was supposed to be basically the, the young girl expressing her view that all of her friends mattered, regardless mm-hmm. of race. It, it doesn't matter. And, and, and this girl was, was you know, wise enough to understand, like, why is it that my, my Japanese friends don't matter? Why is it that my, my brown friends don't matter? I mean, this girl's in South Orange County. It's a very diverse place. Yeah. So this is just one of those things that, you know, we at the Gavel Project are so passionate about. It. You know, we're, we're a 501c3 nonprofit, and uh, we're, we're still relatively new, started back in October, but we are taking on as many cases as we can afford. Uh, we do need resources if you're out there and you can give. Um, we are, attorney's fees are expensive. You all saw Tracy Henderson here earlier. We're, we've actually retained her to go after a bunch of schools uh, for, for mask mandates. She's actually started a, a new union as well, a California yeah, she's a fighter. union. And I'm, I'm going to be involved with that as well now. So uh, I'm excited to, to actually help her with some of the legal strategies that the, the parents will be taking. Well, let's uh, let's let's talk about um, what the effect was of you showing up, because, you know, we do have some good news. And this is something that yeah. I want to highlight is, uh, you know, these these people are not as, um, you know, uh, tough as we think sometimes. And as long as we start, you know, rising up and pushing back, we can win. So talk, talk about what the effect was. Yeah. So actually before the meeting even happened, the, the school board, uh, removed this from the agenda, the, the contract to bring the Planned Parenthood uh, to campus from the, the agendized items uh, for consideration. So they actually uh, are going to be considering it again in the future, I'm certain. Yeah. Uh, they'll but be, they saw the heat coming. Oh, yeah, they had yeah. hundreds of parents show up. And, you know, I'm not going to take credit for, for the fact they dropped this. I will say I, I'll take some credit. Um, I, I wanted to you be helped. out there. and You helped. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe I was the only one there that, that actually explained that this was not just about abortion. It has to do with basically setting up a transgender conversion camp in the middle of a high school. And that's I saw that immediately just from reading the contract. Yeah, that's wild. Well, you know what, um, uh, for fun, and maybe we should see if we could uh, test our uh, Eric the Engineer's skills here, but um, I've got a video because we were on the um, the line of this, and maybe he can pull it up, but we have a video of this uh, mom um, live, you know, t- um, getting her sons to participate in, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, transgender talk, basically, you know, and she's you can see she's promoting this idea that they're turning transgender, and... Uh, and this kid, um, you know, live on this video pushes back against his mom and is like, you're always trying to get me to say these things, you know. Um, 
but the these folks that are that are pushing this stuff pushing you know these lifestyles you know going after this stuff with with all their energy um you know some of them i i know what their motivations are because they say it you know some of them i think are, are caught up in like this is the new thing you know some of them they they wear their kids like their accessories mm-hmm. um and um again if we if we get uh, eric to to post up that video he's working on it now you'll see but it's a it's it's amazing that today we're living in this world and we're witnessing this stuff i mean that's how far we have fallen from um the times when you know your kids came to you with those uh, with that confusion with the stuff that they're struggling with and you know again i've got three daughters and with each one you know, we, we sat down and we talked about times when they were just not feeling right and, you know, feeling nutty and, and uh, dealing with, uh, you know, body image mm-hmm. challenges and all those things. And, you know, again, I have three daughters and they go they go through it very differently than boys do. Um, but, you know, it was our job to, you know, love them, to, you know, give them our safe space which is our family you know not the school um but we we give them a you know the ability to express how they're feeling we help them to see that you know listen you're gonna get through this yes you feel ugly right now you are not ugly objectively not ugly um you're gonna be fine god loves you we love you you're gonna be okay and you know they go through it and and my girls and i we laugh about some of it uh before because they were like yeah we were a little crazy you know but that's normal and, uh, you know, we can't be having in their high schools where they're supposed to be learning and playing sports and, you know, uh, getting trained to get on to the next level in life. We can't keep this going. White people that aren't like serial killers like Ted Bundy. Does your mom say you have to be LGBT? Um, no. no, I can she's what I want to be, but some. T- but. Go ahead, Lex. Go ahead. Keep talking. Say what you're saying. Um, my mom doesn't matter if I'm up if I am gay or lesbian or any of that. She doesn't care. All she cares about is that I'm a part of it. And if I'm not a part of it, she'll try to convince me to uh, um, get, join it. Cause I. What are you saying right now? Facts. That I would convince you to join what? The LGBTQIA plus. It's scary times out there right now with inflation, supply chain issues, and attacks on our currency. We are all feeling the pressure and it seems like a recession or maybe even a real depression is on the way. What impact are we going to see on our savings and retirement accounts? Well, you may want to make gold a part of your strategy. Birch Gold Group is who I trust to help diversify a portion of your retirement or convert an old IRA or 401k out of the risky stock market and into physical precious metals. Think about this. Since before the time of King David, One asset has held its value better than anything else in the history of the world, gold. And it can help protect you now. Text LIBERTY to 989898 and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals in a tax-sheltered account. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, text LIBERTY to 989898 and get real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text LIBERTY to 989898 to claim your free, no obligation info kit on protecting your savings with gold. 
idea. That's that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things that as a constitutional attorney, and, and I mentioned this last time, I actually had the the, the great uh, blessing to go to Regent University School of Law. I studied constitutional law under Justice Alito, and uh, one of the things that, that that is so apparent to me about these types of videos that we're seeing is that this is a religion. Yeah. This is what we it's have here. Yeah, it's it's a separation of church and state issue. For the same reason that you can't treat you can't teach the Bible in schools. The, it, the establishment clause. The, that's why we can't have these policies in our classrooms because I mean, let's go back to the gender affirmation. Um the, the root of gender affirmation therapy, the, the transgender craze was John Money. If you don't know about yeah. John Money, um, wicked. Been, yeah. About as wicked a story as you can ever read. And, and I would encourage everyone to go check out uh, Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman? to actually covers extensively the background of this movement. And because we're talking about in, in the same way, and I don't mean to degrade Christianity, a dogmatic movement, it requires faith because there is there are no facts underlying or at least no provable facts that we can point to in reality uh, that that are, are demonstrate the, the the truth of what we're actually asserting from the Bible. For that same reason, you can't have these types of um, theories taught in school. They're not factual. They're not based in reality. There's 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 nothing in the transgender ideology that you can actually point to and say that scientifically is supported. That that position that you know boys can be girls uh, and, and girls can be boys is something that we can actually demonstrate over and over again. It, it's something that that actually the opposite is true. I mentioned earlier there's close to seventy percent, uh, let's call it a recidivism rate mm-hmm. for these individuals who identify at a young age. So in reality, the truth is not on their side. The facts are not on their side. Yeah, no, and they manipulate the data. You know, saying oh, it's provable that there there's less suicide and they're happier and all that stuff. Well, largely the um, I mean suicide levels and all that stuff. Now that we're supposed to be living in this uh, culture where oh, they're being affirmed all over the place and all that stuff. You're not seeing any of that go down. You know, for for those folks. In fact, you're seeing it go up seven to ten years later after they transition or you know get their gender affirmation and you know supposedly they get their their needs met um and there there's been no more a welcoming time than this time to live in for them and yet you're not seeing the evidence that it's helping in fact again the opposite but they cherry pick the data they play those games um it is a it, it is a religious cult because you know we um, just because you declare yourself to be an atheist or, you know, oh, I'm secular or whatever does not mean you don't have religious dogma. In fact, we are built that way. And so we need something to be uh, religious adherence to. And, you know, it becomes something, you know, um, you know, wacko environmental um, uh, ideas of veganism. I mean, you know, talk to the vegans, CrossFitters, you know, I'm a CrossFitter. We become yeah. religious about it. It becomes a cult. Um, you know, but there's all sorts of things that that you know people get obsessed by and and you know pour the entirety of themselves in and defend it, um, you know, to the extreme. Um, I I will say though, and my audience will want me to push back. There are scientific and factual things about Christianity that cannot be denied, and I know you know that, but. Um, I got to tease you because the way you said that, people are being like, wait a second, Bryce didn't say anything about that. Sorry, folks. Oh. I was just trying to make a legal argument. I, w- yeah. I wasn't trying to negate no, no, Christianity. No, no, <laughs> no, no I know. Tr- I know. I still got to give you a little bit of you know, hard, hard time there. Hard time there because, you know, the Bible over and over affirms what we have learned scientifically later on. You know, that's what's amazing about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, God is great. I, I am someone who, who had a 
checkered past. As I mentioned earlier, I've fallen in and out of faith a few times, but you can't be doing what I'm doing. Uh, you know, Amen. basically operating on faith alone for quite a long time. We're still struggling with resources uh, yeah. to be able to, we, I have a ton of cases that, that we want to take on that we can't afford to do so, uh, because we don't have the financial capacity. Basically my wife had, has had to go back to work to, to support the gavel project. Um, and, uh, we've been the, the primary funders of the, this operation since the beginning, but you know what? When God tells you to do something, you don't hesitate. Yeah, you, you just do it. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's get, uh, explore and, and dive into that a little bit because I was talking to somebody that needed some encouragement earlier on today, and um, and they are at great cost, you know, being called into um, you know this fray that we're all kind of in right now. And I was sharing just some of my own um, challenges that I'm having, you know, as you're focusing on these things and you're, you know, putting yourself out there and you're, um, you know, it's not like it was where we were all, we were, we were all cruising, you know, we were having a good time, you know, life was good and things were prosperous and, you know, gas was at a good price and, you know, food was reasonable and all that stuff. And as we have been disintegrating and going, you know, down this path and as, you know, we're fighting these, um, enemies, both foreign and domestic, you know, it, it takes a toll on all of us. It takes a toll on all of our finances. I mean, I've, you know, given a ton of money away. I've been supporting a bunch of different ministries. I've been, you know, saying yes to everybody on the tasks that I've taken on, um, you know, and, and, and so we're, you know, we're all stretched incredibly thin. And, uh, and I think people who are, you know, giving it all, leaving it all on the field are, are feeling that mm -hmm. and it's fatiguing, you know, um, uh, to, Pastor Rob, you know, needed to take a few weeks off of, you know, and slow down his schedule for that same stuff because, you know, just, you know, getting, you know, getting beat up, um, you know, just running, uh, you know, on all cylinders, you know, in the red to the max. And so many of us are doing that right yeah. now, you know, and, and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge, man. So, you know, we'll, we'll pray for you on that and pray for your Thank family you. and pray for God's blessing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a, um, long journey and it's been a hard journey, but you know, it's rewarding. I, I have kids telling me after going around and teaching these kids what their constitutional rights were and actually encouraging them to stand up to the school mask mandates here in California, uh, and helping them do so, leading them in protests. You know, I, I've had parents tell me, Hey, I, I my kid is, is, wants to be an attorney just like you. They, they want to stand up on principle. And that's motivating for me. Like I was, uh, I was in the coffee shop just up the road here, um, before, uh, I came and I was reading one of the, um, basically the write-ups that a mom did for her daughter's protest. And this was at, uh, Saddleback Valley Unified School District in Orange County. The, these kids were excluded from going to school for a month. They, they were marked as absent. Their parents were sent truancy letters despite <laughs> dropping them off. This is from DA Todd Spitzer, by the way, who's purportedly a Republican and a conservative. Um, anyway, they, they were sent truancy letters because they brought their kids to school every day. The school decided to exclude them, stick them in a cage outside, I'm not kidding, in a bicycle lock area that didn't have shade, didn't have uh, air conditioning. They were out there in the 90 degree heat. They were sunburned. They were windburned. Uh, they, they were stuck out there on days when it was so cold they could see their breath in the morning every day. And they had to watch their friends play outside without their masks on during recess. They had to watch their friends go through PE class, but they were stuck outside in, this, in jail is what they called it. Other kids actually told them, what's it like being in jail? 
Yeah. Or you're, you're, you're in the cage. You're, I mean, these kids are emotionally broken. These teachers, you know, from these districts calling these kids vile and disgusting. These are 12 year olds. This, my heart is broken by, by what's happened here in California to these kids. And it has a lot to do um, with one, the, the, the ideology, but two, the, the fact that these teachers are just too scared to stand up to the unions. Yep. And uh, it, it's, it's encouraging, though, to, to be with someone like Tracy Henderson, one of the attorneys that we work with. We actually retained her to go after Coronado Unified School District, uh, Capistrano, uh, Saddleback Valley, and a few others for mask mandate discrimination. Uh, and she actually had the idea, she's been on here before, for the California Parents Union. Uh, I'm working with her right now, actually, on basically a plan of action for state employees. I know San Diego actually just reinstated the mask mandate for, for their, their teachers and for their students. Um, Teachers have the same constitutional rights that, that students do. They can refuse to comply in the same way, and we're drafting right now a plan of action for peaceful noncompliance. And uh, all of those resources, we're basically putting out a teaser right now with, with a um, cease and desist, basically an ultimatum to the school explaining what the rights of the teachers are. And um, you know, if they, the teachers want more information and actually want to see what pursuing litigation looks like, Go to CaliforniaParentsUnion.org, I believe. We can correct that later on, maybe put a link up on, on the screen. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, but, you know, we, when institutions fail, we need to build new institutions. And that's why I was excited when Tracy told me she was starting a parents union. Because if you get 500,000 parents to sign up for this, and, and the fees are pretty nominal, they're, they're $25 a year, that's a pretty significant sum of money to actually have some leverage to bring lobbyists in and go to work at the Capitol. And that's how you, you, you effectuate change. And so, um, there, there is some, there are some encouraging developments happening right now within the movement. And, uh, as someone who, who is, is an entrepreneur, as someone who, who, uh, is, ha- has a lot of big ideas, I'm, I'm very excited to have met people like Tracy, like Alexander Haberbush at the Lextrax Institute, um, because there are attorneys that are actually fighting back against these issues and are passionate enough to go all the way. Yeah, and, and the more that, that step up, you know, um, they, the advantage that our government has, and our government includes these government schools and all that stuff, is they get to fight us with our own money. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more we overwhelm them with like, you know, um, thousand attacks from all sides and just continuing to keep this pressure on, that's, that's how we win. Um, you know, it's, and we need to give these teachers cover as well. We need to back them because, um, and I've been saying this a lot, the, you know, all of the people that are pushing these radical things, um, the, the, not all the parents and not all the teachers are with them. But a lot of the parents and a lot of the teachers are afraid to, you know, be hanging out there in the wind and are afraid to be pushing back. So I love that you're, you're, you know, creating an argument for them to do that. Um, we just had some breaking news that, um, and I think this will this will probably air um, uh, tonight. So this will be relatively new. Um, but uh, the study that Farrar, um, Barbara Farrar here in L.A. and the CDC also used, um, and it was quoted by Rochelle Walensky to push national masks in school, was written, um, and it's uh, you know two pages, mostly anecdotal, not any research-based, but it was uh, written by a woman with no medical training who also happens to be an employee of the L.A. County Department of Education, 
and is Barbara Ferrar's daughter. So, um, you know, we're, we're talking about a uh, worthless study grounded in, um, you know, nepotism and uh, nothing else. So, um, you know, that, that uh, and I'm, this is coming up right now and being texted to me. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and verify that even deeper. So, you know, if you need to fact check it, we will. But, you know, that's the nature of breaking news sometimes. But um, that's not surprising because mm-hmm. most of these studies, I, re- I'll, I remember when they posted a study on the CDC saying, look, masks work. And that was kind of the headline that everybody was running with. Oh, masks are proven to be effective. You read the study and it showed, again, only if it would, only if they were worn perfectly, they were the right kind of masks, and all of this criteria had to be met. You know, don't, don't touch it, don't mess with it, don't take it on and off, you know, all those little things. And then it was within the margin of error, uh, you know, as, you know, being effective or not. So most of us don't pay attention to these things. We read the headlines, take for granted, and then, you know, you become a COVID enthusiast and you're super into wearing a mask and, you know, shaming others. And, you know, we've got that whole crowd. Yeah, well, it's it's amazing that, uh, and, and assuming this is true, it, because I said so isn't a legal standard. It's not the law. Right. And uh, you can reference studies that, that purportedly prove your point, but when it comes out later on that you were actually the one that, that authored that, you're acting outside of the scope of, of your, your authority as a yeah. government employee. And when you violate individuals' rights as a result of that, you can be sued personally under the, the Civil Rights Act. If you are, are not acting uh, in a manner that is consistent with your duties per state law, you can be personally sued under Title 42, Section 1983 uh, for deprivation of rights. And, and I would encourage uh, anyone out there in, in Los Angeles that, that can show that this was actually a reason their kids were discriminated against to go to thegavelproject.com. Uh, anyone in California even, if you've had your kids discriminated against, uh, you can apply for representation right there. Uh, one of the, the great things that happened recently is there was a court ruling in Los Angeles that basically said um, you cannot require a, va- a vaccine as a condition of um, getting an education in your school district. In fact, you can't make local laws like that because that's something that's preempted by state law. The authority to require certain vaccinations or certain, let's say, medical procedures like forcing someone to wear a mask is something that is left to the the California legislature. If you are adopting a local ordinance, like let's say a a county ordinance, you're not protected by sovereign immunity. Mm. And so all of these schools that have been running around basically telling people it's the law, you have to mask your kids – are exposing themselves to liability, which is actually one of the reasons the teachers should stand up and push back because they are exposed. By forcing children to to comply with these local ordinances, they are actually assuming personal liability. And that's one of the things that we're doing at the Gavel Project is we're suing the individual school board members that, that adopted these local ordinances to put masks on kids. And we know they're local ordinances because the California Department of Public uh, Health back in November in a lawsuit down, down in San Diego argued in a motion to dismiss the case, they, they basically said, we cannot be sued, we cannot be held liable, because these are choices left to the localities to decide. There was never a statewide mask mandate in California for, for California kids. 
Yeah. Well, and mandates are not laws anyway. So there's, you know, a little bit of challenge that I have with that anyhow. Um, but you notice, though, that on uh, on all the airlines, well, I wouldn't say all the airlines, sometimes they got it right. But they would say, you know, it is California law, you know, when these stewards are, you know, telling you to, you know, wear your mask and all that stuff back when we had that still in effect. Um, and I heard one guy one time go, it's a mandate. (laughs) That was great. But they get, they get, they get people confused by, you know, how they do some of these things. Um, okay. So we just gave you a million dollars. What project would you take on right now? If you had, um, you know, enough capital, what, what would you be going after? I, I would file a claim tomorrow. Um, under Title 42, Section 1983 down in San Diego uh, to basically declare for injunctive relief that the mask mandate is invalid. Um, That's one of the things that I would do because you actually can move for that under, there's a very specific way to do it. I would hire an attorney and I'd have it done tomorrow. Um, The other thing I would take on is the vaccine mandate. Uh, For for kids as a condition precedent to to attaining an education, uh, there, there are kids in the University of Virginia that were kicked out of school that this was back in, um, I believe 2021, August, uh, a week before school started, there's 250 kids were just disenrolled Mm. because they were unvaccinated, you know, refusing to comply with a vaccine mandate that comes from a state agency actually is free speech as well. And that's because there was a case, um, called West Virginia v. Barnett, And that case uh, was decided back, I believe, in the 1940s, 43, if I recall correctly. And it was the the case as as to whether a school could require a student to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. And in that case, the Supreme Court basically said, look, the flag has certain connotations tied to it. Anyone looking at the American flag is going to understand that someone um, saluting it or, or pledging their allegiance to it is adopting certain ideals. They're saying, I love my country. I'm a supporter of nationalism. I love American unity, pride, all these things. Um, And when that's the case, when someone would would understand basically someone going through a ceremony uh, where there are are objects in the ceremony that you actually have to to utilize as part of it to have certain meanings, you can refuse. You have a constitutional right to free speech to refuse to comply or refuse to adopt that certain, let's say, ideology. They're basically forcing you, and this is what the Supreme Court said. They said, you cannot be compelled to adopt political orthodoxy, or you cannot be compelled to adopt orthodoxy in violation of your conscience. And, and basically, that's what this comes down to. All of the, these cases that, that we are, are, are working on come down to whether the state can force you as a citizen to play pretend. Because there is no reason to require vaccines for a perfectly healthy 18-year-old individual, especially the COVID-19 vaccine that has a, a huge risk factor that has yet to be explored in, in, in full, and we just don't know the long-term consequences. These, these kids are being sterilized without even knowing it. They're not being provided with the, the proper information to be able to make a rational decision. Ch- children under 18 cannot consent by law. I know California b- believes that's the case. That's actually not the case. Uh, that there is a, a strong constitutional uh, challenge to be had right here in California, and I, I intend to be a part of that, um, on whether the state can force you 
to adopt things like CRT, to believe in, in things like gender affirmation therapy, because those are trying to force citizens to play pretend, and, and they, there is no basis in reality. It's actually the state's burden to demonstrate that what they are doing is justified because they basically are, are acting um, in a way consistent with protecting your constitutional rights. And uh, that's one of the things that's really interesting about what, the way we're litigating these mask mandate cases is the burden actually shifts to the government. We're, the lawsuits that I set up um, when I sat down and actually thought about this and, and strategized for this uh, were, were intended to, to really change the games. The government has to prove that what it is doing is no more burdensome, like let's say requiring a mask on someone's face. It's no more burdensome than essential to protect the individual's right to engage in free speech. And because someone looking, and this is what the Supreme Court said in a case called Tinker v. Des Moines, back in the 1960s, um, if someone looking at, at an actor is reason, if this is just a, a, in any situation, if the, the context of the situation is such that a reasonable person looking at someone acting would understand the action to have intended meaning, it's protected speech. It's why you can burn an American flag in a park and not get in hmm. trouble because someone looking at that action understands it's protest. You, 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 um, if you burned a, a white flag in a park, though, that's not protected speech. There's no connotation for someone looking at the action to understand you intend anything by the action. Um, and you know, there, there are a whole bunch of other examples. I mean, the, the Supreme Court case from 1968, the, the Tinker case I mentioned, where some kids that decided to wear black armbands to protest the Vietnam War. And the school had actually passed an ordinance saying you cannot wear black armbands to protest the Vietnam War. And so we have a very strong analogous situation here where basically we're saying, look, can the state require students to wear blank articles of clothing, especially when those articles of clothing are shown? I mean, back in, in December, there were 52 studies on the NIDI... NIH or NAID, N National Institute of Allergies yeah. and Infectious Diseases yeah, website yeah. um, that explained that masks have zero efficacy in stopping these types of viruses. Yeah. I mean, not zero, but de minimis. V virtually. Yes. And so yeah. I, it's the state's burden to show that what they're doing is actually going to protect people. The, 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 their violation of your constitutional rights are justified because it's having a benefit to public health. They can't prove that here. And that's why the, the lawsuits that we've set up, I believe, are going to be successful, and I have faith they will be successful, uh, because the Constitution is on our side, and God is on our side, too. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, listen, uh, thank you so much for coming in. I, I'm excited because, you know, you touched on um, a, a couple of things there, too, that are, um, I, I think, really important for us to all keep in mind. First, you know, we need to be warriors in this. And, you know, you're fighting with your legal prowess and, you know, all of your energy and all of your resources and having your wife go back to work to support it. And we all need to be doing those things. Um you you talked you talked about uh, about vaccines and you know fighting some of those mandates especially with kids you know we've got Dr. Judy coming on for one of our next episodes and the data is coming in on this and it is horrific what they're doing and and the effect that it's going to have long term on our fertility and the health of our children so we need to keep fighting um again remind everybody where they go to support you um and uh, and how they can help 
Yeah, so uh, first, if you want to support The Gavel Project, you can go to thegavelproject.com. Uh, we are able to accept tax-deductible donations right there on our website. Uh, if you want to send a larger check-in, um, we could definitely use it, and you could actually mail that in. That would uh, limit the processing fees. But if you want to learn more just generally about what I'm doing, you can follow me on social media. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at The Gavel Project. I'm on Instagram, at The Gavel Project. Same with Facebook. And uh, there are quite a few videos of me uh, up there basically going around speaking to school boards. Uh, if you want to see what I, what I was doing back with the mask mandate uh, protests, I can actually, there's some, some videos there of me teaching uh, parents and, and students how to engage in civil disobedience. Uh, and there are a whole bunch of educational resources up there as well. So I would encourage folks to check out my social media. Well, thank you, Ryan Heath. Yeah, I appreciate you, you uh, being here. And uh, that's it for this episode of Liberty Station. Um, we need your help, folks. Uh, we are now on Salem's Podcast Network, and we are on as Liberty Station. So go on Rumble, go on your Spotify, your Apple Podcasts, your Google Podcast apps, all of them, and please subscribe under the Liberty Station podcast banner. Uh, we are going to be transitioning away from you know what we've been doing for a long time, was intermingling all of this with Godspeak, and um, we're going to make sure that we do that so that we can get Eric, the engineer, working so hard, paid. You know, he doesn't want to just do this for free forever. So anyway, no fun. yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> so please support us in that. You know, take that work. Uh, you know, if you are unfamiliar with how to subscribe, you know, ask one of your kids or whatever um, to, to push those buttons for you. But again, this is Bryce Eddy signing off for Liberty Station.